This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Citizens, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. And this is the show that can't believe John Ham's a bad guy. I mean, I always knew he had it in him. I didn't. I had no clue. And it hurt me physically and emotionally and mentally. Yeah. And and nothing else matters anymore. Honestly, after seeing this movie the first time, I was like, oh, John Ham can play any role? Yeah. I mean, Mad Men. I get it. Yeah. I get it. He's not the the best man. He's a mad man. He's a mad man. But here, he's a proper he's, bad boy. He's a mad. He's a bad man. That's right. Today we are talking about the last film of our Edgar Wright January, more or less. We're out of the Cornetto trilogy, and we're moving on to his American movie. It is Baby Driver from 2017. His American movie. I love it. That's the best way to put it, right? I mean, he did Scott Pilgrim. That yeah, was his, that was his Canadian uh, movie. Yeah, that's I knew what I said. <laughs> <laughs> this is basically the only movie of Edgar Wright's that we haven't talked about yet. So, well, it's his last big feature because his first thing in like the '90s, we're never going to talk about. No. Never, never going to happen. <laughs> A fistful this, of fingers? Is that it? That one. That's the one. Uh, Baby Driver. You've seen it before. Yeah, I have seen this several times, and every time I am like, "Wow, that movie's amazing." Yeah, this is my first time seeing it, and. I think I got a new favorite Edgar Wright movie. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. <laughs> By like good. a long shot, it's like extremely good. It's to the point that Brian knows whenever I take notes in these movies, I handwrite everything. I still handwrite every little thing. And I usually have like four or five pages of notes of me just jotting shit down yeah. as I'm going through this. I have a page and a quarter. This is the least amount of notes I've ever taken on this show just from being so involved in this yeah, movie. Yeah, I was going to say you were in it, huh? I was very in it, and I, I kind of felt like baby in this movie because, I mean, I'm watching it on the the projector in the fortress here, the 120-inch projector, and my wife's getting pissed off at me because it's too damn loud, <laughs> so I put on the headphones for it. Oh, so wow. I was like, really in it. You were the baby driver. I was. I was driving babies everywhere. That's what he does. The baby right? transporter? Is that Jason <laughs> Statham in some new movie? As a baby. Where he, he brings around the boss baby. That's exactly it. I was more going uh, like a Muppet Babies type thing, like, stay oh. them babies. I love that idea. He's got to make deliveries to Nanny, and so you only see her legs. That's exactly it. <laughs> That's not anything I'd ever want to watch. No? Stay them babies? I think, I think the baby would say fuck, and that I'm all about. Oh, yeah. There's something about like- Children swearing. That's just adorable, really. You say that as a parent of two. Yeah. And the first time one of them slips a fuck, I'm going to be like, sweet. All right. <laughs> you, you are my kid. Good. <laughs> this checks out. This checks out. Do you want to get into this movie? Let's get into it. Stop driving them babies and talk about Baby Driver. Sounds good to me. 
We begin as we always do in Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. I get the tax credits are good there. I yeah. get it. You don't have to start every movie there, though. But this time it's supposed to be Atlanta, Georgia. It's Atlanta finally good point. playing itself. That's weird. It's a weird role for Atlanta to finally like featuring Atlanta as itself. I really think of Atlanta as a character of its own. Is that what Edgar Wright said? No, he never said I that. I feel like that's something he would say for that's some reason. That's a very reason. New York thing to say. <laughs> it's kind of like Woody Allen filming oh, all the yeah. stuff in New York for a while. I like to think of New York as its own and as a part of me. And New York is going to fuck a younger New York one day. <laughs> and it won't be weird. This is my way of getting around it. It still seems weird. It is weird. And I like Woody Allen too much. And it's hard to separate the art from the man, except it's not. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Will we? A red. Oh, we will. No, you're, we will. You're right. <laughs> a red WRX pulls up across the street from a bank, and inside are three robbers Buddy, played by John fucking Ham, Darling, played by Isaac Gonzalez, and Griff, played by John Bernthal. That's a pretty great robbery team, I guess, right? Is that what we call them? I, I don't imagine, know what they yeah. Are. A robbery team. Go, robbery team. <laughs> I love it. We're more interested, though, in their getaway driver, Baby, played by Ansel Elgort, who is legit rocking out to bell bottoms by John Spencer Blue's explosion while alone in his car, as you do. As you do. That's how I prep for all my robberies. The crew returns to the car, and Baby guns it, music blaring. The police chase the car throughout the city, but Baby is a hell of a driver, able to swiftly maneuver through obstacles by drifting the car and pulling crazy maneuvers in time to the music. It's extremely well choreographed, and this car is just dancing on the street as it slides around. It is unbelievable how they pulled this off. It's <laughs> This is some of the best stunt driving I've ever seen by a long shot. Absolutely, and kudos have to be placed for Jeremy Fry, stunt driver. He's absolutely incredible. I legit had to look up who the stunt driver was for this movie because I had to give him props. That important? Yeah. That makes sense. I especially love the scene with the three red cars. I was just going to say, off. yeah, on the highway, Baby oh, spots man. two other red cars and pulls up between them. And as they go under a bridge, Baby cuts off one of the cars, forcing it into the lane he was previously occupying, tricking the police helicopter, and they escape. It's beautiful. It's so Because he could drive any, any smart. He's quick on his feet or on, on his seat. The cars, I don't know. Quick on his seat. I like it. I don't know. He takes is the that car. Is saying now? It is now. Nailed it. He takes the car to a parking garage where the crew jump into another car and get away just as Baby's song finishes. It's pretty great. Everything in this movie is to the time of the music. That blows my mind. And I noticed it in the opening scene. I was like, oh, wow, this is lining up really well. This yeah. is lining up really well. And it doesn't take you long at all to realize, like, that is insanely intentional. Oh, it's and it always like going to line gonna up really carry well. through. Yeah. <laughs> Once safely back at their hideout, Baby goes to get coffee for the team, taking a stroll to the coffee shop while listening to Harlem Shuffle by Bob and Earl, in a one-shot where Ansel Elgort is modern-day Gene Kellying all over the screen. Gene Kelly was a notorious asshole. I don't think Ansel Elgort is an asshole. I don't think so either, but he is definitely dancing in the street. He absolutely is. This shot is insanely impressive. It's um, There is so much going on. It's absolutely insane. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of the, the Shaun of the Dead one where he goes to the convenience store. This has things happening, though. But there's and a lot music. more happening. And there's music. Yes. And, and the cues. And oh. You expect like shots like this to be like reserved for war films 
where you get that long oneer that are extremely well choreographed with the effects going on around them. It's like, yeah. no, this is all happening. It's happening in camera. This is all practical. Everything here is there. That what you see is what you get. Yeah. It is wonderful. It's insane, is what it is. The crew are meeting with their employer, Doc, played by Kevin Spacey. Have we seen Kevin Spacey on this show yet? Yes. We have. We saw Superman Returns. Right. And we were walking on eggshells there. Here's what I'll say. Kevin yeah. Spacey's character in this movie is the perfect role for him because he spends the entire movie trying to convince a young boy to do something he doesn't want to do. <laughs> I was going to say he's very good in this movie, but I mean, when you're not acting, how hard is it? <laughs> he is really good in this movie. His character's a bit fucky to me. I'm still trying to wrap my head around what his intentions and whatnot. Yes. We'll get there. We will get there. Griff, again, John Bernthal, you know, gruff man. He played the Punisher, so he's going to ask some questions that maybe maybe not everybody would ask. Right. He asked Doc if Baby is retarded, and Doc immediately quips back, retarded means slow. Was he slow? And I love that retort. Yeah. Put him in his he place immediately. <laughs> he is, but then John Bernthal still gets on his ass. Oh, yeah. Griff starts messing with Baby to intimidate him, but Baby never flinches, and he's eventually like, I got to hand it to you, totem pole. You're either hard as nails or scared as shit. Who calls someone a totem pole, honestly? <laughs> Who it's throws such a, a weird shoe? thing to, to write and then have an actor recite. That's true. And <laughs> it was written, too, because the only person that Edgar Wright really let get away with ad-libbing in this movie was Jamie Foxx, and we'll get there. We'll get there, and it makes sense, but we'll get there, as you said. The crooks part ways, but before Baby leaves, Doc takes the majority of his cut, reminding him that he only has one job left before he's all square. I love the look from Ansel Elgort going, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Like he's very defeated, but he also is like very relieved that he's only got one left. Yeah. Baby lives with a paraplegic deaf man named Joe, played by CJ fucking Jones. I don't know what else he's been in, but he is phenomenal in this. I have no clue, and he is absolutely crushing it in this. Yeah. And he likes his peanut butter spread to the edges. Right to the edge. I get it. <laughs> you need to have the right PB to J ratio. You do, but you also got a PB on both sides of the bread so that the J doesn't make the bread all soggy. I mean, if you're, if you're eating it right after you make it, you don't need to PB both sides. I'd argue that's too much PB. Is it, though? PB's yes. good for you, man. I mean, yeah, but it's overpowering flavor-wise. Do, do more jelly. Done. But then it gets messy if you do too much jelly. Now, this would be the only time we ever make an argument for those stupid pouches that are like the <laughs> uncrustables <PB&J. laughs> that's what it is it's pretty much like they get a pierogi machine and just throw peanut butter and jelly in it instead <laughs> honestly i'm surprised i'm surprised it took somebody that long to figure out peanut butter and jelly so? pierogies that had drugs written all over it when that was created 100 percent college kids sitting there we can either do a social network on the internet or get this one <laughs> <laughs> could have been zuckerberg and said i was smuckerberg that's right. <laughs> I'm really proud of that one, actually. The Buffalo's Trace, good for you. Baby keeps his share of the stolen money hidden under a floorboard. Joe knows that Baby is into some kind of shady business, though, and he tells him he doesn't belong in that world. Joe cares. Joe I does love that care. Joe cares. In his spare time, Baby takes recordings from his meetings with Doc, and he remixes them into music tapes. And he has this whole conversation from earlier with John Bernthal and, and Doc about... Was he slow? And he turns it into a song. And it's fun. I like that a lot, though. It's like he goes into his own little beat laboratory. Yeah. There. It's great. Just make some tunes out of it. 
Why not? He's got this drawer full of all of his tapes, and in the middle, there's a special one that's just labeled Mom. Or Wow, depending on which way you put it in. Right. If you are Owen Wilson, it is definitely (laughs) Wow. Mom. The tape. (laughs) Baby goes to Bo's diner, where we see a pretty young waitress, Deborah, played by Lily James, singing a song. I always forget how good Lily James is in everything. She's got such a, a fun personality. Absolutely. And I know yeah, I know her from like Downton. That's where I was first introduced to her. And she's terrific in that. She's very bubbly and it is a good backdrop to the bleakness of Downton Abbey. Yeah, that checks out. And then she's the only good thing about that movie yesterday. That movie, if you put a put a straw on an asshole and suck, that's that movie yesterday. Yesterday was Boyle. very interesting. Yesterday was such a good premise, and I don't know what they did. Yeah. They made the movie. That's the problem. Uh, they yeah, should have yeah. just said, This is a good premise. We could either make a social network. A Smuckerberg or Yesterday. (laughs) Well, you do two out of the three. I got an idea. (laughs) I hated that movie. I watched it on an airplane. Yeah. And that's not the reason I hated it. (laughs) That's the weird part about it. That's how you watch Black Panther the first time, too. Yeah, and I thought Black Panther was okay on an airplane. But watching Yesterday, I'm like, I like the Beatles. This should be totally fine. Yeah. And then it wasn't. Yesterday was weirdly charming until it was just annoying. It got annoying pretty damn fast. Which is why the charm was weird until it got annoying. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Lily James, she's great. Yeah. When she comes over to take baby's order, she notices his recorder and she's like, am I being monitored for quality assurance? She's fun. She's a lot of fun. She's also very English. And boy, is she fighting it. She is so hard. It's fun. <laughs> it's noticeable. <laughs> I like how she's like, I don't know how to get rid of this accent. So I'm going to go more Southern sometimes, but then I'm going to fight it back again and to come back and then we're going to go back to the American. Now we're he's back to the Southern. <laughs> oh, yeah. That that was accurate. Good for her. Thank God it took place in Atlanta and not like Boston. Quick question. Are you still a feckin' cool? <laughs> So the two of them chat, and Deborah tells him that sometimes all she wants to do is head west on 20 in a car she can't afford with a plan she doesn't have, just her, her music, and the road. These two got some things in common. They like driving and music. That's as much as you need sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> she has to go back to work, but she's like, if you need anything, let me know. And he's like, actually, I have a question. What's that song you're singing? And she tells him, and he goes to the record store and finds B-A-B-Y by Carla Thomas, and he listens to it at home, leading Joe to figure out that Baby's met a girl. Oh, yeah. Joe is very Not intuitive, and I love it. He he very much is. I love Joe. Joe is my favorite part of this movie, maybe? Maybe? He's way up there, for sure. Yeah. Doc brings Baby in for the next job. He introduces Baby to his new crew, Eddie No-Nose, played by Flea. He, he <laughs> used to be mind. Eddie the Nose. Why is he not? Why is he no nose now? That's a no nose no no. Can't ask that. <laughs> that right there is Edgar Wright writing at its finest. JD, played by Lanny June, uh, who had a neck tattoo that said hate, but he got the E covered because who doesn't like hats? Such a good line again. And finally, Bats, played by Jamie fucking Fox. I have a love hate relationship with Jamie fucking Fox in this movie. And I think that's the idea. I think, yeah, you're meant to. Bats immediately has problems with Baby. For reasons. For reasons. He's just like, I don't trust this kid with the with the earbuds. I don't know anything about him, but... Doc explains that Baby listens to music because he has tinnitus from an accident when he was a kid, and he listens to music to draw out the hum in his drum. Now, is that an actual thing that you could do, is just if you distract yourself like that? I mean, would that work, you think? I don't know. 
Now, I know Edgar Wright had tinnitus as a kid when he was growing up, and that's kind of the inspiration behind this. So, I mean, he must know, and Edgar Wright kind of knows his music pretty damn well. (laughs) He sure does. So, yeah, I would say that there's some truth behind that. Humming your drum. He's got a hum in the drum. I like the way they word that. Doc defends Baby by telling Bats about the spirit of 85, which was a joyrider who evaded cops going 130 on I-85 with no headlights on, taillights off. And it turned out that it was 12-year-old Baby. How do you turn taillights off? I think he like took the fuse out or something. While driving? That doesn't seem... I think it would be <laughs> yeah, before he boosted the car. He took the time to take the taillights out. Yeah, why not? Well, not the taillights, just the fuse for the, the taillight... The brake light. Oh, my goodness. Okay. This is a great story, though. Keep going. Doc reveals that Baby boosted his Mercedes that had a lot of merchandise in the trunk. Doc tracked him down, told him who he was and what he's capable of and how much Baby owed him. And now Baby works for Doc. He does work for Doc, and I'm curious to know how much he actually does owe him and how many jobs he's had to do. Yeah. There's probably a lot of merchandise in the trunk of that Mercedes. Oh, yeah. My favorite Doc line of the movie is right here. Where he's like, wow, I just drew a whole goddamn map with chalk while we've been standing here squawking. That's pretty fucking impressive, right? <laughs> uh, Kevin Spacey. And then, he, uh, and then I remember an that it's Kevin Spacey. And I go, yeah, oh. that's a problem. <laughs> oh, he's weirdly charming in this too. Like scummy, yesterday. scummy guy. No, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, I guess he would kind of be the yesterday of this movie. Where, I don't know, the Beatles were a great thing and yesterday fucked him over. <laughs> While Doc goes over the plan, Baby listens to his music, and Bats has a problem with that, so he calls him out for not paying attention, which makes Baby repeat the entire plan back verbatim. Yeah! Ansel Elgort. Ansel I've never seen him anything, I don't think. I don't know what else he's been in, if I'm being honest. Let me give a Google. Perks of Being a Wallflower? Is he in that? I guess his like, big break was with Divergent. Okay. He had The Fault in Our Stars. He was That's there. the one he I was did, thinking uh, of. I guess some sequels to the... Divergent, whatever it is. I, I don't know how that sure. all works. Resurgent, exurgent. He's, he's in West Side Story. That's coming oh. out. So there's something. We could see he could dance. There yeah. You go. He's a trained dancer. So he is. He is. I don't know anything about this guy, though. That helps him land the role over John Boyega and whoever else. John Boyega, probably people didn't want to work with because, you know, he's got a good head on his shoulders and is not afraid to call out bullshit when he sees it. <laughs> Logan Lerman was the other one who was out for the role. Ah, all right. I think with, they went with the right actor here. I think they did too. He's an interesting guy, to put it real lightly. Yeah, he's the character itself is mysterious, but like I don't know, there's something almost like a puppy dogish about him. There is. It's there's always something brewing like underneath that I just can't figure out this entire movie, and I'm curious to learn more about him all the time. And I'm glad that the layers start to get peeled away as this thing progresses. I agree. The crew gathers near the armored truck. JD has already messed things up when he got the wrong masks. Doc specified Michael Myers from Halloween, and he got <laughs> Austin Powers, Mike Myers masks. That is a phenomenal gag. I loved it. So good. I appreciate them saying, like, you got the wrong fucking masks. But then they all put it on anyway, because it's what they have now. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. That confused me in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. But I was like, yeah. are you saying that? He was a killer in these Halloween movies? Is That can't be true. He's petting a <laughs> kitty cat and he's bald. What is that beeping? That's uh oh. That I be- hear a B. Be- Do you have like a bomb in your place right now? Shh. Don't use the <laughs> B word. We're not on an airplane. 
Oh, well then, yeah, it's a bomb. Oh, okay. No, no, it's uh, my landlord's smoke detector. Is your landlord home? Almost always. What? <laughs> so they're living with that beeping noise. Yep, just and in their that means so am I. Oh my God. How long has it been going off for? I don't know. A couple months. That that's way too long. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely is. You're you're telling me. Oh my God. How? How do you deal with that? Is she like waiting for like her shitty kids to change it or something? Who knows? Like your job is to take out the trash. Your job is to do the smoke detectors. Oh, we got one good kid. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Didn't one of the kids like throw a cell phone through your window recently? <laughs> yes. Yes, that happened. Oh, man. <laughs> Not that long ago. It was cool, though, because it took my mind off the smoke detector. That's something, I suppose. Let's go with Baby Driver. This is great. Baby waits in the car listening to Neat, Neat, Neat by The Damned. And it's not critical to the plot or anything, but I like the title of this song. It's pretty good. And the th- other three go and they rob the armored truck. Bats ends up killing a guard, and the robbers frantically run back to the car. Baby starts to drive away, but he's hit by the truck of a Marine, who decides he's going to be a hero today. Oh, yes. This guy shoots at the crooks, forcing Baby to drive against a wall to get out, which is so cool. It is very cool. And then he chases them onto the highway, causing them to get stuck under an 18-wheeler. And Bats has a clear shot at the Marine, but Baby pulls out to avoid Bats killing somebody else, because Jamie Foxx is trigger-happy in this movie. Very trigger happy, I'd say. Yeah. Baby drives off the highway and loses the Marine who flips his truck. Yeah, that's not great. It's not what you want. No. It feels weird that the bad guys won. Yeah, yeah. Like, you didn't even give the other guy a chance, really, at the end of it. So they abandon their car because of traffic, and they steal another car from a woman with a baby. Of course, Baby gives the baby to the woman. Of course. He's a good guy-ish. He tries. a getaway driver. (laughs) Yeah. He's got a heart of something, that's for sure. Bronze? I don't even know if it's bronze. I don't know if he's meddling, to tell you the truth. That's fair. It's, it's like a hard plastic. <laughs> Would you go that far with it? It's more like a yogurt tin top. <laughs> it's an uncrustable wrapper. Uh, okay. That's that's a loser, then, at that point, I'd say. Would it be better if it was the actual uncrustable? I don't think so. I mean, you can't hang a sandwich around your neck. You can't get on a podium, and they just start hanging sandwiches off your neck. Ah, uh, that's the kind of competition I want to win. No, it's not, because I yes, guarantee Jared is. from Subway is the one putting this on, with Kevin Spacey as the celebrity guest host, and it's a big problem. So you're saying that sandwiches are prizes for pedophiles? Yes. Yes, I am. All right. Italian cold cut combos? <laughs> Chris Hansen's going to come kicking your fucking door. I like the Italian cold cut combo. Yeah, we all do, but you're going to feel dirty eating it. And you got to know Chris Hansen's outside your door, monitoring now. your chat rooms or whatever. Are chat rooms still a thing? I don't know. I haven't seen one in a long time. I haven't tried to look for one in probably 20 years, so I don't know. I feel like that might be the reason why I haven't seen one, but who knows, really? You got me. Our creepier listeners, write in. Tell us if chat rooms are still a thing. At some point in the chaos, JD drops his shotgun. And the gang makes it to the parking garage and moves into separate cars. Bats asks Baby if he purposely made him miss a shot in the Marine. And Baby's like, no. And Bats is like, you're a good driver. You're a bad liar. And then he holds a gun to his face and tells him the moment you catch feelings is the moment you catch a bullet. It's a pretty big problem that this is all happening. Yeah. I don't like Jamie Foxx at all. (laughs) No, he's a bad guy. 
He's a real bad guy, but I also, I'm not totally sure he is, and we'll get there. All right. Baby goes to get coffee, because that seems to be his post-heist maneuver. I have an actual IMDb trivia fact for you. Oh, come on. I, we were doing so well. I know, and I should have done this one earlier, but I didn't want to do it to you so early. But since we're getting more coffee, it seems appropriate. Okay. Baby enters a coffee shop called Octane from the moment he first bell rings as he enters to when the last one rings as he leaves he's there for exactly 64 beats of the song oct is the prefix for eight eight squared is 64 oh my god that one went way too deep so unnecessarily <laughs> yeah didn't it now you see why i wanted to say it for the first one but i didn't want to do that oh, to you so early. okay i appreciate it i've had more to drink since the first time he was at, uh, getting coffee so it it didn't hurt as much good. so that's good so when Baby gets back from getting coffee. He realizes that Bats and Eddie are there, but JD's gone. Doc tells Baby that his debt is settled, but has Baby disposed of the car that has JD's body in it? Yeah, they had to off JD because he forgot the shotgun in the back. Also, he got the wrong masks. And, and you know he what? Got Austin Powers masks. And JD kind of had it coming. If you're going to make us look silly, then we're going to have to kill you. I like it. I like that they had to do this to this guy. All right. Call me a bad guy, if you will. Is it is because he had hat tattooed on his neck everyone likes hats first of all but yeah. no i mean if you're gonna mess up twice in the span of one robbery you can't fire him that's all i'm saying can't fire him all right i see which side you're taking here baby does not like that they off jd and baby no, also does not like that he has to sunset the car right he takes the car to the junkyard and has a flashback about his childhood he oh we're gonna close. do it here yeah we're gonna do it here <laughs> all right he was very close with his mother who was a singer but his father was very abusive and the family was in a car accident collision while his Traffic parents accident. were arguing. Traffic collision. That's what it collision. is. Collision. Yeah. And only baby survived the wreck. So now we have backstory on his dead parents. And his scars on his face. Yeah, he is a very scarred boy. Do you want to know how I got these scars? I'll tell you in a flashback. <laughs> Twice, probably. That's right. Baby throws out his burner phone and bids adieu to his life of crime, listening to Easy by the Commodores. The soundtrack's really good. It is so good. And might I also remind you that all of the music lines up to everything that is happening on screen to the everything. beat. Everything. Sometimes even the lyrics of the song are appropriate to the scene that they're happening in, just like to the level of like, wow, okay. <laughs> it's amazing. Almost Favrovian, but... But artistic. But too good to be Favrovian. Yeah, right. Agreed. Baby returns to Bo's diner to see Deborah. They chat about songs with their names, specifically how there are songs called Debra and Debra by Beck and Trex. T-Rex? T-Rex. <laughs> and there are tons of songs about Baby. Right. And they go to the laundromat, and they continue to talk. So exciting. It is. Baby takes a new job as a pizza delivery driver because Joe's like, why don't you deliver happiness instead of, you know, whatever it is you do now. I don't know if Atlanta pizza can be called happiness. I don't think anyone has ever in anything in the world, any like uh, the best pizzas, top 10,000 in the country. I don't think Atlanta is even landing on the list anywhere. Oh, everybody loves Atlanta pizza. Atlanta oh. style pizza. <laughs> Would you like your pizza hot Lanta or cold Lanta? The slogan of the pizza restaurant is, it's better than murder. <laughs> Because that's what he's delivering instead. That's right. He starts seeing Deborah regularly. They go to a fancy restaurant where their meal is paid for by Doc. 
Ugh, the space he's there. Just following this young man around. He's hanging out with Big Boy and Killer Mike, and I'm like, damn, Doc, that's awesome. Yeah. Doc still needs Baby as a driver for more robbery jobs, and he threatens Baby with potentially hurting Deborah. So Baby's yeah, like, that's not great. All right, I guess I'll help you if you're not going to hurt Deborah and also leave my legs intact. And then he takes Deborah home for the restaurant, and they kiss, and it's it's great. It's great. Good for him. Got that Lily James. He did it with his beaming personality, probably. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with beaming. <laughs> I don't understand this, but that's okay. Doc brings Baby to the post office where he wants to set the next heist. He has Baby go in with his nephew, Sam, to provide cover so Baby won't look suspicious. So Baby scopes out the place with a lot of help from Sam, and they interact with a friendly bank teller who likes Dolly Parton and has a mint with Sam's name on it. But not, it's not, not literally. Mint. Not literally. It Just says Sam term on phrase, it. Yeah. But this, this teller is lovely. She's, She's such a joy. She's very personable for only being in the movie for like eight seconds. Yeah. Lands it. Good for her. Baby goes back to the car, delivers the details to Doc so he can plan out the heist. Baby calls Deborah with a plan to drive far away and not look back. And she's like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> like I was just on a whim. It's like, I've known you for like a week. This seems like something we should do. Yeah, right? It's not out of our characters. We're both weird. This sounds right. We're weird. We hate our <laughs> jobs. We kind of like music and driving. Why don't we do the thing? Let's do the thing. Let's uh, do the not job, the driving, the music-y thing. Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> you bring your scars. I'll bring my big teeth. It'll be great. <laughs> she does have big teeth, huh? She's got big teeth, but it means she's got a big smile. Exactly. She's still cute as hell. She really is, though. Doc gathers Buddy, Darling, and Bats as his new crew with Baby as the getaway driver. I like how we see the first crew. Yeah. With John Bernthal and John Hamm and the girl. John Bernthal, whose last <laughs> last line in this movie is, if you don't see me again, I'm probably dead. I like it. It's very good. It's a good way to write yourself out of the movie. we don't see him again. But then we see the second crew. Obviously, JD gets knocked off and you get bats and then- And flee. Doc says, I never work with the same crew twice. And then he just combines those two crews together. Like, well, that was lucky for us as an audience. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, he says he never uses the exact same crew twice. Right. Right. But I mean, I'm sitting here watching it going like, oh, good. I don't have to learn new names. This is nice. (laughs) Oh, all the really big actors in this movie are going to be back for this scene? Good. Ah, perfect. But it's also (laughs) one of those interesting things where you have Bats, who's a complete asshole. And then you got Buddy, John Hamm, who does kind of come down to earth on baby how he tries to relate yeah. to him how they talk about he, like oh music they like queen they both like yeah he asked him about his killer track bright exactly. rock by queen and they also listen to the the ipod together yeah which is wild and, and it, one note's nuts that i realized in this movie is that an ipod dates this movie that's yes, where we are now something i read actually made a lot of sense the reason he doesn't use a smartphone is because it's trackable and since he's been boosting cars since he was 12 years old the most the thing he would have the most of are sunglasses and ipods he's got a lot of sunglasses he's got so many sunglasses but i i absolutely love that when we see him get his first ipod it's for like christmas when he's a kid and i'm sitting there going like that's the first ipod this is like a new thing this is wild to me it's just weird to me how whenever we see like a VCR or a payphone or something like that, we go like, oh, wow, that dates it. And this is the first time an iPod dated a movie for me. That's fair. I, I can see that. What's weird is that this movie is only three years old. I know. That's the crazy so, part. But I'm saying in the flashback. Yeah. The iPod 
the OG one, the big white one. Right. I like when they cut back from the flashback. He's holding the the same iPod, but it's like all broken buttoned and whatnot. Yeah, because the car crash. Exactly. That's, you know, attention to detail. Yeah, iPod scores. Bats tells Buddy and Darling about the tinnitus because they didn't know. And and Darling's like, oh, just like Barbara Streisand. And Bats is like, do I look like I know a fucking thing about Barbara fucking Streisand? Which is great because Jamie Foxx is actually really good friends with Barbara Streisand. There you go. <laughs> Doc orders the crew to acquire guns from an arms dealer known as The Butcher and then return to the hideout to stay the night. Paul Williams is The Butcher. Paul fucking Williams, I believe Paul is what fucking you meant Williams to say. is yeah. what I meant to say. When I saw him on screen, I got real excited because he is such an interesting actor. I was like, the guy, I know this guy from things. Yeah, I, I like his his act, how he treats it like he's in a deli for the most part. Yeah. It's like, oh, you got your sausages, you got your hams or whatever it is. Well, his nickname's the butcher. Yeah, talking about different weapons though. It's he's got oh, all sorts of so good. pork based weaponry. I think it's interesting because one of the guys on his crew is like worried about baby with the with the earbuds thinking that he's recording stuff and that's when Paul Williams steps up and he's like I got this and he describes everything as pork products so even if it is being recorded what are you going to oh he's selling meat it's a very good touch bats recognizes one of the butcher's men though as a cop so bats shoots the butcher forcing everyone into a shootout perfectly timed to tequila by button down brass now here's the thing when you say perfectly timed yeah. It's not that they happen to like, oh, I'm going to dive behind a box on this beat. The gunfire is to the beat. The gunfire is to the beat. How bang, do you bang, do bang, that? Bang, bang, bang. Attention to detail? It goes a lot farther than that. We always it say does. that it's it's absolutely incredible when filmmakers give a damn. And yes. The amount of sound editing and choreography that's going into these shots is just on another level. Oh, there's a reason that it was nominated for Best Sound Editing and Best Sound Mixing. Wasn't it nominated for three? Uh, yeah, the third Academy Award nomination was for Best Film Editing. So All deserved. Those, they all fall hand those in hand. Those three, hand in hand. I don't think it won any of them. It did not win anything. I know that, but Which is even crazy. to get nominated for three technical awards is insanely yeah. impressive. Yeah. So the crew kills the majority of the Butcher's guys, but Darling gets shot in the arm in the process. So Buddy is all over Bats, and um, that's when Bats is like, they were cops. And then one of the butcher's men stands up and tries to get away. So the three of them shoot at him, and then Bats throws a grenade into his car for good measure. For good measure, just a little overkill. On the ride back to Doc's, Bats orders Baby to stop at Bo's diner. And Baby's like- he's hungry. No. And that's when Bats is like, hmm, I don't know about this. I don't know. This diner seems fishy out of nowhere. (laughs) <laughs> I like how baby's like it's terrible. The food's terrible. It's like all the more reason to go. Oh well, then why? We definitely why is any have of this happening now? It's so weird. The kid hasn't expressed an opinion to you this entire movie, and you just think he's all of a sudden just on another level of shady. Yeah, I don't understand this. This seems forced. Well, no, I think it makes sense. I don't. Bats has no reason to think it's like. Why do we need to go to this place? There's no because- reason. Well, no, it's because Baby was so adamant about not wanting to go there that he thinks something's up because Baby has not been adamant about a damn thing since he's known him. But Bats got on his ass when he's like, no, that's not adamant. That's just an answer. That's nothing. I don't know. I think saying no to Bats in itself is being adamant. I don't know. Spacey does it all the time. Yeah, but that's Spacey. Fair enough. (laughs) It's not little Ansel Elgort. 
He's not little. He's a tall boy. Next to everybody else in this movie. Fair enough. Including Lily James. Right. So they're sitting down at this diner table here. And Bats goes on this whole tirade about how he knows the type of guy that Buddy is as Buddy's getting on his ass for killing all the cops. He's like, yeah, yeah. you're Wall Street. I know that you're type. I, I can see it any day. Uh, he's like, you probably already had a wife and kids and all this stuff. And now you just you came on hard times. Now you're looking for a new escape. And your nose is always hungry and things like that. You're doing the crimes in order to facilitate your drug habit. And Buddy, John Hamm, is just not breaking that gaze. To which then you have Darling who's just like, you don't want to do that. Because yeah. when Buddy starts seeing red, he's going to go. You see nothing but black. Yeah. Darling is a the- badass. Darling is a badass, but I like how she goes on this real dark monologue, and then it yeah. ends with Jamie Foxx like, oh, well done. Oh, well done. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, what are you going for the Oscar? Did you practice that? That was an improv line. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. So then Bats asks Baby if he knows Deborah. Baby's like, no. So Bats gets up to leave, and he pulls out his gun because he's got to kill someone everywhere he goes. Baby grabs the gun before he does anything. And he's like, all right, well, you better tip her real well. So while everybody leaves, Baby hands Deborah the check, her tip, and a note that says, road trip, 2 a.m. Oh, man. I like that stakes are very high right now. Yes. For Baby, because you understand he does not want to do this job. He did not want to do this job to start. He wants to run off with Deborah and actually have a, a real life for once, but he's sucked back in. Right. And that was Every World time I think are- I'm out. They pull me back in. Exactly. But now his worlds are really conveniently colliding with each other. <laughs> That's true. The crew returns to Doc, and Doc knows something is wrong because he didn't get the banana call. <laughs> I love that so much. Whenever a job's finished, I get a call and someone says bananas, because that's how I know it's done. And no one said bananas. Bats tells him that the butcher and his guys were cops, and Doc is like, I know, they were my cops. So Bats lies and says they shot first, which Buddy backs up, and then Doc asks Baby if it was the truth. And he's like, don't ask him. And of course, Doc's like, I'll ask whoever the fuck I want because, yeah, oh, you can tell who's in charge. I really like how Bats is like, I mean, they, they're not alive. They can't ID us. They're going to Ouija board ID us. That was a good line. <laughs> it was a very good line. When Doc asks if the heist should happen or not, he turns to Baby, who reluctantly insists that the heist should go on as planned. He drops an F. He does. And it's jarring. It is. You're like, oh, Baby knows swear words? Baby's a baby. He shouldn't know swears. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. But you you yourself said that swearing babies are the best kind. They're my favorite kind. Oh, not the best yeah. kind. Just your favorite kind. Right, right. There's a difference here. It means I, I like shitty baby kids. That's what it is. <laughs> All right, that's fair. Baby had been recording the conversation, and as he plays it back to himself, he has a black and white fantasy of Deborah standing by a car waiting for him to join her. I like that black and white fantasy. It's pretty neat. Mostly because I like Lily James standing there by a car waiting for us to join her. (laughs) Yes, I do like that. But it also says something about Baby's kind of idealistic thing. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but like he's he's very like, he's got like almost a 50s nostalgia to him. He does. And I think it comes from music itself. I know. Yeah. I, I think that he is so versed in music from all these different decades that he has these certain kind of visions ideologies that he's trying to like live up to yeah that makes sense but i don't know it doesn't seem like he's the type of guy who sits around watches movies or anything like that he's always flipping through the tv shows with joe yeah but it's really just trying to avoid whatever thing he got in trouble with the cops that day 
on the news, yeah. The thing right. is, though, in that opening scene when he flips through those channels, he repeats every line that shows up on that TV later in the movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, he does. Okay. Yeah, because there's the, you are so beautiful, he he says to Deborah. There's the- uh, Deborah. Fight, fight Club was on, and he says, how's that working out for you? Which he says to JD about his neck tattoo. Sure. Monsters, Inc. is on, talking about, we're friends. I didn't catch any of this. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You know what? Edgar Baby's Wright- Baby's very good at parroting. No, 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 no. Not even that. Edgar Wright's very good at using a TV to do these yes. little quick things, because yes, the same thing true. in Shaun of the Dead. That is very good. Well, it's funny, because as soon as the TV showed up, after since we had just watched Shaun of the Dead a couple weeks ago, I was like, all right, pay attention, because this is going to come back somehow. <laughs> it's funny watching the same director four straight movies now and yeah each one of them is different in their own way very and this one is obviously the most different but yeah still this is what he was working on in the mid 90s this is like his dream project here. this is his baby this is baby movie i really just wanted the tv commercials to line up and give me a message and they did no eventually they did they did. yeah eventually it paid off <laughs> baby tries to sneak out at 2 a.m to meet with deborah as he turns the corner in the garage, Buddy is standing in front of the car. It's not what you want when you're sneaking out at 2 a.m. the night before a heist. No, it's not, but he's also leaving whatever this warehouse apartment type thing is, this loft, and you see Jamie Foxx's eyes open and turn. So when you see yeah. Buddy there, you're going, okay, that's not what I was expecting, but also yeah. it's not crazy. And Buddy comes over to the window, and he's even saying, like, if you're not going to be in this 100%, get the hell out of here. Yeah. Like, go and live your like, life, get out of here. I'm going to get coffee. He's like, that doesn't sound right at 2 a.m. You're not going <laughs> to, you're not here. You're not going to save us here. You're not going to be here 100%. I don't want you to be part of this job. Yeah. And that's just self-preservation. But at the same time, he understands this is a kid. Right. I really do think that he understands that. Yeah. And then Bats shows up a second later, says, looks like you all are going somewhere at 2 o'clock in the morning. And Baby's like, no, I'm not doing that. And he's like, good, because we need to talk about this. And he pulls out Baby's recorder. That's a problem. That is probably a the big worst problem. thing that could happen yeah. for Baby right there. Especially after the cops thought that he was just recording their conversation with the butcher. Yeah. That's a problem. Baby tells them he has this hobby of making remixes, and then Bats knocks him out. As you do? When Baby wakes up, he's sitting at Doc's table, and Buddy dumps out all of Baby's tapes from his apartment. And of course, he's worried about Joe, and Bats yeah. is riding around in Joe's wheelchair, but he insists that he didn't hurt Joe. Doc questions Baby about the tapes, but then he proves that they're just music tapes when he plays Was He Slow? Conveniently, the one we had heard him make. Yeah. Which is lucky for dumping out all these tapes. Sure is. And then he puts on a second one about Deborah, which is even luckier. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because then so, everybody at the table is like, wasn't that the waitress at the diner? Waitress at diners. Don't introduce yourself by name. Just say, yeah. hey, honey, what can I get you? Or whatever. And just move on. Or keep the fake name badge of Jonathan on at all times. Yeah, she should have just stayed Jonathan. She would have been safe. That was a weirdly funny gag. It was. It was almost a nothing, but I went, just because there's not a lot of funny things in this movie. It was like, oh, okay. Humor. I remember that way back when. Remember when (laughs) Edgar Wright was funny? Speaking of Deborah, she's still waiting for baby because, you know, he said 2 a.m. And she's waiting at the diner because that's the only place she ever is. I don't. Does she have a home? I think she just goes know. back and forth from the laundromat to the diner, sleeping along the way wherever she finds. That's yeah, can't, can't be right. The next morning, the crew heads to the post office. 
Buddy is supposed to take Darling hostage while Bat sneaks around the back. As Baby waits in the car, he sees the teller from yesterday, and she smiles and waves at him, but he shakes his head at her as if to warn her. So she runs off and comes back with a security guard, and as the security guard is tapping on Baby's window, Bats comes out around the corner and he shoots him. Now, when you say shoots him, I'm thinking yeah. like, oh, he popped him. That's not going to feel good. He like shotguns him. Yeah. To the chest. Yeah. That's... And it is violent. Yeah. You could say it's a violent shooting, Dave. What? Some of them aren't. <laughs> you know, it's true. Like later in this, he's going to kneecap John Hamm. And I mean, it's yeah. not that bad. That's not Comparatively. <laughs> Maybe like the juxtaposition of the scene wasn't made it. There you bad. go. We'll get there. We'll get there. Comparatively. All right. All shootings are bad unless they're not. Got it. Fair. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Baby hesitates to drive away. So Bats aims his shotgun in Baby's face and tells him he needs to move. Or what? Or what? Or else what? What is Bats' <laughs> plan here? <laughs> to shoot him and then drive himself? I don't know. But then you got to get a corpse out of that seat. And that's not yeah. easy to do. He's dead that's... weight, literally. Like, how do you, how do you even do that? It's a threatening maneuver just to make Baby do something, not so much that he's actually going to go through with it. Well, that's why I think that Jamie Foxx is a fake tough guy in this movie. Except he does kill a lot of people. He does kill a lot of people, and most of them are unnecessary. And then if you even flash back a little farther, how he's the one saying, like, nah, I'm the crazy one of this group, like Key and Peele style. He does do that. <laughs> he does do that. It's like he's trying to constantly play into this act of he has to be the crazy tough one or whatever it is. And that's why he's unnecessarily pulling guns on all these people. And, yeah. But then at the same time, when he does off the butcher and that whole gang, and he's like, no, there were cops. You could see APD written right on the cases there. And you go like, okay, you are kind of criminally there where you were right that time. Yeah. Possibly right. doesn't matter. But he seems like he's faking it. He's putting on an act. He's putting on a show all the time. Even when he's clapping for Darling in the diner after her monologue, it's because she one-upped him on trying yeah. to be this weirdo here. Yeah. I think that it's a fake act. I really do think that this is just him trying to be who he wants to be and not okay. who he actually is, so he's trying to lean in even harder. That's I think why that's I think fair. when he puts the gun up to Baby and he says, you better fucking drive, he's not going to pull that trigger. I think he is, though. I think it makes him more dangerous because he has something he thinks he has to prove. No, so he'll I kill don't. somebody without I think thinking he, it through. No, I think he understands Baby is the one he can't do it to. I don't. He's I don't the know only if he does. one here that he cannot do it to. I don't know. He's the getaway. Yeah, but there's three other able bodies in the car that can drive. They I don't can know. drive doesn't mean they're getaway. We'll get there. That's true, but it's just I don't know. That's my I, personal theory on it. I get an uneasy feeling about Bats. I think that he's willing to kill anybody because it'll make him look tougher. Yeah, which makes it an act. Yeah. Well, that, I think the act is what makes him even more dangerous. It's because he thinks he has to prove himself. Which but is why I do he think kills the not convenience going store to kill clerk baby. to steal the gun. Uh, the gum. He does steal a lot of gum. But that's just yeah. being a tough guy. Exactly. Yeah, but I think he killed the convenience store clerk to do it. Yeah, he probably did. But I like when he throws the gum into the backseat of John Hamm. He's like, yeah, you said you wanted gum. It's like, you know what I fucking meant, man. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Like, you, you overdo it. You blow everything out of proportion here just to be that extra Which is tough, not crazy, crazy that he would kill the driver. He's not going to kill the only guy who can get him out of there. That's, I, I think you know what? Wrong. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Mostly because of what's about to happen. <laughs> Baby hits the gas and drives forward into a truck with a steel bar sticking out the end, impaling bats. Yep, Bats is gone. That's a wrap on Jamie Foxx. <laughs> so now it doesn't matter if he would have killed him or not, because he's dead. Right, right. His act is now done. Wasn't that tough, apparently. <laughs> not tough enough to <laughs> not get impaled by rebar. Right. 
baby buddy and darling run for it on foot. I love it. I like how you get all these car chases, then now they have to hoof it. What I like is that, like the beginning of this movie, when we get that one shot of baby going to get coffee, he's a little awkward and he like steps into traffic and he's got all these near misses. And here he is straight up parkouring and nailing yeah. it. Yeah. When he puts that focus in, oh boy, yeah. is he good. This is an awesome foot chase scene. It is. The cops chase baby through the city and through a mall and all over the place. In a sequence, time to hocus pocus by focus. That's my favorite thing you ever said in your life. It was a lot of fun. (laughs) I'm going to do it again. Hocus pocus by focus. That is so good. Baby tries to change his appearance and steal different cars along the way. He runs into Buddy and Darling again as the cops close in on them. And Darling shoots at the cops and they return fire, killing her. Yeah, they land all their shots and she didn't land any. And that usually means in risk whenever you do the rolls and whatnot. Yeah. She uh she rolled lower. She lost Australia. She very much don't lose Australia. Let me ask you this. This is a personal question here as a guy who likes playing risk. Where do you go? Australia. No, Australia is really easy to hold, but it's not going to get you the amount of troops that you need to really That's true. get out there. Because I know a lot of people who like to have their stronghold in like Europe or whatever, but it's got a lot of entrances. Indeed it does. It's hard to defend. It is hard to defend. But then you can go South America, but that's pretty South much America the Australia is... of the of the left side of the board, let's call it. <laughs> With Some would entrances. call it the West. Some would. I like the left better. Yeah. Makes the earth sound flatter. That's weird. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> as a sphere, if you keep going left, eventually you'll hit every country. Exactly. But on the board, nope, you actually do come back around to the other side as well. It's the north-south that you have trouble with when it right. comes to the, the map board. The map board. I don't know. Maybe the earth is flat. Maybe that's what we're learning here about risk. <laughs> the greater a risk, flat earthers, famously. It all checks out. <laughs> so Darling's dead, which means that's Buddy right. is- That's where we got to. That's where we're, yeah, right. Very mad. He's not happy. His squeeze he, is down. John Hamm gets real serious here. I don't know if I like John, and John scary. Hamm serious, because John Hamm is the most charming motherfucker of all time, I think, yeah. at this point. Yeah. When you see him, you're like, it's John fucking Hamm. The guy's been doing comedy now for so long that you forget that he has this side to him. Yeah. And, and he, again, it gets you. He's legitimately frightening in this scene. Yeah. And he's he just going to get worse. He's extremely good. He's extremely we'll good get there. the rest of the way out. So while Buddy fires the cops, Baby runs away. And he takes the car of an old lady, but he gives her back her purse. And then he sits in the car trying to find a radio station. Dave, I got another IMDb trivia fact for you. Okay. When Baby carjacks the woman with the purse, he tunes the radio to 97.1 and Golden Earring Song Radar Love Plays. 97.1 is a real radio station in Atlanta and is known for playing classic rock songs. It is the most likely station in Atlanta to be playing that song. Great. Terrific. I love it. It's very important. Was it? The folks at IMDb thought so. (laughs) I should start taking note of how many people found the most ridiculous IMDb trivia facts useful. You don't have to if you don't want to. (laughs) And I probably won't, but it was a thought I just had. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. Baby returns to his apartment to find Joe on the floor, but okay. That's a good thing. He's fine. He's still, you know, deaf and just paralyzed, but he's fine. But he's fine. It's one person that Bats didn't kill. Right. Just took his wheelchair because he's a meanie. (laughs) It's because he wanted that visual of him in the wheelchair to get into Baby's head. That's all it is. Yeah. He's a fake tough guy. Yeah. So he grabs the hidden money, 
And this is where the sound design blew me away because there you have the phone off the hook noise that's going on throughout this entire scene. Yeah. And he picks up the phone, taps it, and he calls up the diner, Bo's diner. Right. And Bo answers the phone and he's like, Hey, is Deborah there? I'm sorry. It, he says, Deborah. Deborah, the kids. That's their code for <laughs> Deborah. For, need you to come. Deborah. <laughs> we finally got one. I can't believe it. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, she's with a customer. Can I give you a message? He's like, Tell her that baby's coming. I love Baby? that. But ready for this one? The phone number that he dials. Yeah. yeah. I caught it. You would it have. It is 555-1270. Do you know what that number is? It's not Jenny. It's not Jenny. It's actually the pedal kit number for a Mustang. Really? 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 <laughs> the pedal kit number for a 2015 Mustang. 555-1271. I guess it's 2015 through 2020. It's the steel uh, pedal kit for it. So stick huh? with the car theme. Right. He uh, went that far with it that he even got a 555 number out of it, which is kind of neat. That's insane. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's wild. I always tell people, and I haven't told people in a really long time on this show, when you see newspapers, pause it. When you see phone numbers, pause it. Take the littlest, deeper dive, and you're going to find something weird and interesting because these things are way too thought out sometimes. This one especially, with the amount of time this one that especially. Edgar Wright spent on it. It makes sense. Oh, yes. So Baby brings Joe to a nursing home. I love it. I love it so much. He apologizes to Joe for failing him when he said he wouldn't let anything happen to him. And he, he leaves a recording for whoever finds him on the front stoop. He leaves, he leaves him on the stoop <laughs> like a firehouse baby. It's like, one of those things. It's like maybe he's a Benjamin Button. I don't know. Maybe he is a firehouse baby. <laughs> My but name is Joe. He he didn't even bother like ringing the doorbell and running away. Yeah. <laughs> also, while the police helicopter has a spotlight on his car, it's like on how him. is he getting away from this? I don't understand any of this, but that's fine. I'm entertained. I like that Joe signs good luck to the helicopter. It's just such a good touch. It's a great touch. Baby runs to Bose for Deborah. Only to, find, only to find Buddy sitting at the counter with his gun. Shockingly sitting there at the counter with his gun. I was not expecting that. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, thank God Kevin Spacey played the Deborah tape earlier. Otherwise. Exactly. John Hamm would have had no idea where to go. He'd have no clue. John Hamm is about to go to 11 and just stay there? Yeah. And just live at 11 from now on? And I didn't know John Hamm had an 11. Not only John does he have Hamm. 11. He's has got, got a sustained a 11. Fucking 11. <laughs> he does. It's so good. He wants baby to pay for getting darling killed. So he threatens Deborah. Even I got angry at that. You don't threaten my Lily James. You don't do that, John Ham. How dare you, John Ham? You are a villain. You really are. She's like so sweet and so bubbly. Yeah. You back off. What did she do to you? She brought you a delicious Coca-Cola. She did. A cop enters the diner to use the restroom, which is just so convenient. It is because the cops are outside. John Hamm covers up the gun, and when he comes in, I need a restroom key. And the tension here is at a John Hamm 11. <laughs> it is. Deborah's co-worker comes out to ask how everything is, and when Buddy is distracted, Baby shoots him and then runs away with Deborah. It's a bold move. Yeah, with a cop in the bathroom. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it's out of character or not, but maybe it's uh, development that we're getting. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. It's it's an interesting thing because I mean he did kill bats. 
He did kill bats, and I know that colors play a major role in this movie, and we'll get there. But we will. We, we will, will get there. After the movie, we'll talk about the colors, because it is deep. But it felt a little out of character, but he is kind of in survival mode here. and he is He's kind definitely of, in uh, survival mode, and he's definitely in yeah. protector mode. Oh, yeah. He's finally come to terms with the morality of what he's been doing, and now he's like, oh, I actually have to do something to get out of We've this. We've watched him go through this morality shit yeah. of, I get to just drive. This is great. I get to dance in my car, too. Yeah. Uh, now I'm witnessing, actually, what the violence is. And I don't and now like it. I'm part of it. Now I have to be part of it and I need to act. Yeah. So Baby and Deborah steal a challenger from two guys vaping. See, I knew I loved this movie. <laughs> this one hurt me on a personal level because I drive a Subaru now, but it's not like yeah. a cool one. No. It's got two kid seats in the back. Brian's got a Camaro. I do. So, I mean, that's all right. But I used to have a challenger. And this one hurt me on a, on a personal level of going, you fucking go, baby. You go. I've never been more on Team Baby. <laughs> I think I'm about to make you even more Team Baby. When he's leaving the mall, he go- he walks by a Camaro and doesn't even look at it. I've never been more Team Baby. He understood. Nah, I'm good. I'll get a real car. Steal a car from a mom with a baby. <laughs> <sighs> he chose that over a Camaro. What does that say about your car? It means the one that he chose was easier to pick the lock with a screwdriver. I'm not sure if that's what it is. Oh. He didn't even pick the lock. It was the ignition. I think the modern-day Camaro is what the Mitsubishi Eclipse used to be. I'm going to actually hunt you down. (laughs) Where you get, like, the Chappelle Show skit of the chick dancing next to him. And he goes, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Like those old commercials. It's a good skit. That's what a Camaro is now. But That's what it is now. Wow, I really hate you. So they steal a shitty I bet all the high school boys are checking you out still in your Camaro, thinking daddy bought it for their sweet princesses, and then they see you, and they go, maybe, maybe. (laughs) So they steal this (laughs) shitty-ass Challenger, and uh, they drive to docks. Good. You've had enough, you jerk. A cop goes to check on Buddy, and Buddy shoots the cop, which is also a very bold move. It is a bold move. Also, weird to see John Hamm. Not dead right now. Should be yeah. dead, not dead. He kind of got shot in the shoulder because, let's be honest, it's the first time Baby's ever fired a gun. You're not wrong. So the reason Baby goes to Doc is to get his mom tape. It's the only thing he needs before they leave forever. And Doc is like, get out of here, Baby. It's over. He's cutting his losses. He's like, I'm not giving you anything. Just go. I like how it gives him the out, though. He's not being a mean boss about this. Right. He He's says, like, go, get out of here. This is over. Yeah. Kind of like but, the shop is closed, that type of thing. Yeah. But Baby really needs that tape. And he's like, come on, Doc. I just just want the one thing. I even have your money orders from the heist right here. You can have them. I just want one thing. And then Deborah comes out and Doc is like, take your fucking tape. This is the weird part with Kevin Spacey. Like, all of it's weird with Kevin Spacey, but this is the weird right. part. But this is where it gets really weird, because he has a full turn here, and he's like, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to give you money and give you a car and, and help you leave now. Right. He's like, I was in love once. It's like, that's not character development. That that's is a single lie is... to explain the situation for your character turn. Yeah. Yeah. So after this weird turn, they, they go into the parking garage, and then three banana cops show up. They're like, banana. And it, that's exactly. They didn't, they didn't banana, so the job's not done. To which Kevin Spacey has to blow them away with a shotgun. Yes, but not before they shoot him twice. 
They do shoot him twice, but then he puts him down. He he double taps, more or less. He does, you know, but zombie movies. He's got to be dying. <laughs> Edgar right. Because he just got shotgunned through the back, and you can see the wound on the front. He's not doing great, admittedly. Which might be why he gives him the money. It's possible, because he knows it's done, and he needs to do something here. I don't know. But, I don't know. Uh, at the same time, I complimented Kevin Spacey, and this movie rewards me for doing that by another cop car showing up, and it's not a cop. It's Buddy it's in a cop car, because he stole a cop car. Right. And he hits Kevin Spacey with the car, and Kevin Spacey goes flying up into the ceiling and lands, and it's wonderful, and I'm going, yay, justice on Kevin Spacey. I'm sorry I called him good. And then Edgar Wright here might as well have high-fived the whole audience and said, <laughs> no, I want up that. And he backs up, and he runs over Kevin Spacey, and you're going, yay. We did it. It's amazing. <laughs> it should be noted this whole time, Buddy is playing Brighton Rock by Queen out of the car speakers. Yes, he is. It's his song. It's baby his killer song. song. That's right. It's baby song, and Buddy is taunting him with it. But also, the dashboard is lit up, and Buddy's face is entirely in red at this point. It Buddy's sure seeing is. red. I love it. And when I Buddy sees love red, that callback happened. That's so yeah. well done. I absolutely love whenever you have smart dialogue like the monologue that Darling gave in the diner of, oh, when Buddy sees red, and you actually get to see it visually done. And yeah. It's not just told to you like, oh, I'm seeing red now. <laughs> that's, that's silly to me. It's right. like you're treating the audience like they have a fucking brain. I love that. It is such a good touch. It's nice to not be handheld through a movie and be like, I picked that up on my own. Haha. Exactly. As we said, no Favreau here. <laughs> no. So now, obviously, Baby and Buddy have to have their little showdown. They sure do. There's a lot of fun stuff here, like like Baby running over the car and Buddy getting stuck at the ele- in the elevator. And Baby and Deborah get into the Mercedes that's owned by Doc, who's obviously not with us anymore after being- He does not need his Mercedes he anymore. He got double tapped. He did. I told you. Zombie movies. <laughs> it's important. So they start- pulling away but then so does buddy he gets free of the elevator chases him down and this is where i want to defend what i was saying earlier about why jamie fox wouldn't have pulled the trigger because now you have baby who is driving this is what he does and buddy chasing him and you see how smooth baby is on everything he does and buddy's crashing into everything in his way yeah it doesn't matter that you have someone behind the wheel it matters who's behind the wheel and i Fully believe Bats was never going to kill Baby for that reason. I mean, probably. That's all you're going to give me is probably? Yeah, I'm going to give you probably. <laughs> That's the Bats, worst answer. <laughs> Bats might not have done it, but Baby doesn't know that Bats wouldn't have done it. So, Okay. If you want to go there, that's fine. I like how Brian, the audience member, is saying, you're right, Dave, but you're saying that Baby, who is in camera and is yeah. on our screens and in our mm-hmm. hearts, is saying, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's and exactly that's where the saying. tension comes from. <laughs> yeah. As okay. long as baby thinks his life's in danger, it's the same thing as it actually being in danger. Okay. Okay. Acting. <laughs> Fine. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. So baby is like, we're going to have to do this on foot. Why? I don't know. Because Dave just pointed out he's much better in the car than Buddy is. Absolutely. But baby gets out of the car. And Buddy comes around the corner, sees the car with the doors wide open. He starts looking around. He sees Deborah, and he goes Deborah. to shoot. He goes to shoot Deborah, and as he's doing that, she's like, 
now. And baby rams the cop car with, what is this, a Ford Bronco? That's what I thought it was. And I also don't know how she heard the, how he heard the now from inside I have this no car. Idea. Not important. Not important. I Especially love this movie. With his not important. <laughs> right. His ears are all fucky. She yells now and he's inside a vehicle. Doesn't matter. Keep going. This is great. Baby slams Buddy's car over the edge of the railing, sending it falling several stories down the parking garage. But Buddy got out in time. And by the time Baby realizes this, it's pretty much too late. Buddy shoots a gun on either side of his face, taking away the things he loves, being music, and then he turns the gun on Deborah. Right. Right now, Buddy has the lead by like a lot. By because a now lot. Because now he has Baby on the ground who's holding his ears like, ah, damn it. You took away my love of music because you blew the shots in my ears. And Buddy says, I wish you could hear her screams. You're just going to have to see it. And that's fine. Buddy's got a huge lead right now. Yeah. And the funny thing about having a huge lead is that this scene was shot in the parking garage for the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> if you're trying to make me like you after that Camaro joke, it's a, this is a good start. This is a good start. <laughs> Because Buddy's about to lose that lead that he has very quickly developed. <laughs> uh, oops. <laughs> yeah. It turns out that Deborah has a Tom... Br- I mean, uh, she's she's got a crowbar. Right. That's what we call uh, crowbars up here called Tom Brady's, I think. <laughs> They're definitely not. <laughs> now they are. Go on to the Super Stuff score. You're going to see the crowbars, the Tom Brady's itself. It'll be great. We're going to brand them and everything. I can't wait. <laughs> really branching out. Some people have mouse pads. Some people have koozies. Some people have crowbars. We have crowbars with inside <laughs> jokes that a lot of people aren't going to like. They're not going to like it. You're going to be out there trying to change your crow, and it's just going to have Tom Brady on the side. You're going to be like, what are we doing here? Change your crow? Yeah. I've always wondered what the bar was for, and now I know. Now you know. It's to change crows. It's not like it's a crow bar. Where crews hang out and they just squawk all the time. Right. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Deborah hits Buddy with the crow. It's like, bar. oh, crow, what do you want to drink? Rye? Rye? It's a nightmare. Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> Deborah hits Buddy with the crowbar and he drops his gun. So Baby gathers himself long enough to grab the gun and he shoots Buddy in the leg. And Buddy falls over the edge onto his burning car. And everybody knows when you add John Hamm to a burning car, you get an explosion. It's true. We all know science. And that's how it works. Does Baby pass out here? I'm not sure exactly what happens. But the next scene, we have Baby waking up in the passenger yeah. seat of, of the Bronco. And he's all deaf, but not. But he's all, And it's confusing. He's extremely deaf, but he's doing the thing that Joe did earlier, where he felt the speaker so he could feel no, the music. No, because he's talking to Deborah, but then you hear like the echoey version of Deborah talking back yeah. to him, which is like, oh, to signify he lost his hearing or whatever. Or it's at least very poor. His, his hearing's not it's good. It's possible. We hear it totally fine as the audience, and we're supposed to be in baby's shoes here. But at the same time, I can't argue with that, because this movie does do a crazy thing with music itself, because- Flashback real quick. We're almost at the end, but flashback real quick to the opening scene. Uh, the oneer as he's getting the coffee and he goes to the octane. They come back and you get him dancing along with the music. Yeah, you hear the music in his ears through the headphones, but you're also hearing the music, like the sounds of the world 
as it's yeah. happening outside that moment. And that is just a really interesting choice to do because usually you lean one way or the other. And they chose to lean both. And it's like, we could damn do it, it both. worked really, really well. It really did. So it makes me think of, I feel like the echoey sound here is signify that baby can't really hear it, And that's why he has to look at her to read her lips because he's able yeah. to do that because of Joe and all that stuff. And also whenever he has the music in, he can read Kevin Spacey's lips. Right. I feel like to the audience, that's what the cue is. But to the character, it's not. That makes sense. At least that's why I'm, I want to think about it because Edgar Wright's a very, very smart man. Yeah. And that seems to add up. Yeah, I think it's a way of showing that like she is speaking and we want you to know that as an audience, but like he definitely can't hear it. Correct. Maybe he can't hear. We don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Anyway, Deborah's driving. Baby's in the passenger seat. And they're listening to Baby's tape of his mom singing. And we're listening to your smoke alarm still beeping. Yep. It just keeps going, you know, to remind you to change those batteries. That's right. That's what's important about smoke alarms. Your house is going to burn down. And Constantly it's not going to be your you. fault. It will be your landlady's fault. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the way it goes. Your death is on her hands. Now there's a Camaro that someone else has to take over, and they're going to be like, the pass. For sure. For sure. They'll be like, no, thank you. <laughs> right. So you're going to have some dad who's going to buy it for like his 16-year-old daughter. She'd be like, oh, my God, this is the perfect car for me, Dad. Thank you. I love you so much. You done? I don't know. You done? Uh, TBD. I have nothing lined up now, so watch what you say. I'm going to tell you a little secret about this movie. Okay. It had 168 IMDb trivia facts, so tempt me. I don't like that. I don't like that thread at all. You know what? You're a Bats. This is a fake. You're a Brian Bats. This is a fake everything here. You're a fake tough guy right now. I'm I'm a fake tough guy? Fake tough guy. Jimmy Fox would often say... Jimmy Fox would often stay and watch Kevin Spacey's scenes, even when he wasn't in the scene. Fox says it's nice to have the opportunity to watch a great artist performing their roles. He claims he watches a lot of foreign movies and independent movies as well, and said he'd love to watch Alan Miller performing a theater play or even a music concert in USA, as Fox considers Alan Miller an amazing, talented kid who became a breathtaking adult actor. Fox's own words. <laughs> All right, that's one. That's five. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Did you just pick out anyone you could find? Just read. It, I honestly, I hadn't even scrolled the page. And yet. that's it the was worst like the part about the IMDb one. facts. I know a lot of people are like, I watch a movie, and then right away I go to the IMDb trivia facts, and I go, don't, don't. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, you that will not learn things. One thousand two hundred fifty-eight people found that interesting. That's so many people. Oh man. Yeah. I don't know who Alan Miller is. I don't either. And neither do they. <laughs> And I guarantee they haven't wasted the time doing the one Google to find out who Alan Miller is. Probably not. Let's Alan end this Miller. movie. Let's get out of this thing. Okay, let's end the movie. They come up on a police blockade, and Deborah immediately throws the car into reverse and tries to get away, but Baby slams on the brakes for her, and he, he surrenders. He does. He's a good boy. He takes the key out of the ignition. He throws it into the river. They're on a bridge, so I assume it's a river. Sure. Baby gets arrested. That's usually what happens when you surrender. That's usually the end of it. Generally speaking. Yeah. Baby goes on trial for his part in the heists. Testimonies are given from Deborah, Joe, the post office teller, and the lady <laughs> whose car Baby stole. Right. It's nice to have all these people come back. All of them are like, he's a good kid. He just made some bad choices. He never meant to hurt anyone. 
Well, even Joe's description of it as he's doing his sign language in the translators there he's saying like yeah he got into trouble when he was a young kid he made a bad decision he's been pressured into paying for it ever since exactly the judge sentenced his baby to 25 years in prison with the possibility of parole in five that's pretty good that's for i mean honestly everything that he did that's with pretty the amount good of people who died it's probably yeah it's pretty yeah, good it's not bad at all but i also like how this movie has consequences which is nice yeah it is nice for once for once during his time in jail, Baby gets postcards from Deborah, who has found out that Baby's real name is Miles, which, okay. Go ahead. Do it. It's All right. Do it. There it is. Oh, your table's nice. That thing, the reverb on it? Yeah, oh, was... baby. <laughs> Finds out the Miles. name is Miles. She sends her uh, postcards that he posts up there, and I guess he just goes about his business for five years. Andy Dufresne. Andy Dufresne. <laughs> a tall glass of water. And then we get this weird, almost dreamlike sequence where we see what looks like Baby's Fantasy from earlier in black and white with Deborah waiting for him. But the scene shifts to color as it's happening. Right, because they the sex, because Pleasantville sex, as we know. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. It, it's that Pleasantville walk from prison. I guess it's five years later. Probably. Probably, I guess. I don't know. This is... <laughs> intentionally left ambiguous and even lily james and ansel elgort disagree on the meaning of this scene so what do they say elgort thinks that it's uh his imagination again and lily james thinks that it's actually what happens after five years they kind of lean into both of those though they do pretty hard what do you think it is because i think it's reality because of the switch into color i think it's but it's not a full switch to color like they don't go full saturation so i think it, it's I still think it's part of the imagination. It's just a, a more vivid imagination. No, that's fine. I'm happy that I'm the Lily James here. This is good. I know. This is my... <laughs> Me and her finally are one. We did it. <laughs> good, good job. I'm proud of you. Thank you. That's the movie, isn't it? That's Baby Driver. We did it. Baby Driver from 2017, directed by the Edgar Wright. This movie is extremely fucking good. It is so good. Like, I can't I stress enough this movie. how fucking good this movie is. Yeah. This blew my mind. 2017 was a tough year for me personally. I'm not going to get into it here because it's, I don't want downers. No downers. No downers. And I didn't see this movie. And this was actually one I was looking forward to. Yeah. I, and I'd never seen it until now. My wife had seen it. She saw it in the theaters. Oh. But, and she openly said like, you got to watch the movie. I was like, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> one of those things. Because I do I that in real life you too. You got to watch it. So. You have been. But then it's one of those that I've constantly kept on the back burner. Like, I'll watch it for- a show one day, I think. I think it'll be a fun one to do. And yeah. here we are, and this really might be one of the best movies of the last 10 years. Like, if I know I put my list out last year yeah. before 2020 broke the fucking world, <laughs> and I put Mad Max Fury Road as my number one. Yeah. And I would say that Baby Driver's easily top five, if not, like, top three. Like, it's creeping up towards that front level there. I, yeah. I, ugh. I can tell you, after several rewatches, yeah. it doesn't fall off. And that says something huge there. And you know it's me as the film nerd exciting. that I am. I'm a, I've am been like digesting this thing since I watched it and yeah. discovering new things as I think through it. This really is a passion project for Edgar Wright, and it shows. It but does. it's also like a full culmination of what he's been going for throughout his entire career. Because, yeah, he's done five true feature films at this point. Yeah. I'm going to quickly ask you, Rotten Tomatoes, 1-100. Where do you think it's going to land? 90? Yeah, 92. Okay. 
In five feature films that we've talked about now from Edgar Wright, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End, and now this Baby Driver, his average is 89.2%. Do you know what the lowest is on that list? No, I don't. It is Scott Pilgrim vs. the World at 82%. But that's generally considered a masterpiece, which is nuts. It's a lot of fun. So Edgar Wright is an absolutely unbelievable filmmaker. He is amazing. And I'm inclined to say he might be my favorite director. For that little amount of screen cred that he's done. Because, I mean, he's also done writing. He's written a bunch of stuff, too. Because he wrote... Uh, Attack the Block, well, he's executive producer on that. He wrote The Adventures of Tintin, which I actually hate a lot, Spielberg movie. He also was screenwriter, executive producer on Ant-Man, which we both love. Yes, and still has lots of touches of Edgar Wright in it. It has a ton of touches of Edgar Wright. You know what? I will not ever get on somebody for anyone saying that he's their favorite director. It's a very small sample size, but he's so good. He is extremely good. And I do have one thing I want to say about him. That makes a ton of sense, and I think it sums it up. I'm going to quickly read you a couple of reviews. Roger Ebert did not see this movie because he was out actually going cross-country on a drive at the time. (laughs) Naturally. Listening to his music. So Richard Rober from Chicago sometimes did review this instead, and he said Edgar Wright's Baby Driver is one of the most entertaining thrill rides of the year or this decade. Nice. Ty Burr from the Boston Globe said, Baby Driver somehow maintains a tone of sweetness even as bullets fly, blood spurts, and gears are stripped. That's the wild part. He goes on to say, in fact, the movie feels like Tarantino minus the sleaze. Yeah. And the last one I have for the reviews, and this is the one I want to talk about, is from Jake Cole from Slant Magazine. He says, Baby Driver literalizes Edgar Wright's fascination with people's emotional over-reliance on pop culture as a cover for arrested development. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a deep one. And I was those are say, all we're... words that we've said during this journey that we've had in this January, this yeah, sober yeah, January of superhero movies. <laughs> kind of crushed it, kind of nailed it in every aspect of it. Interesting. It is. Edgar Wright has a fascination with pop culture. But he also likes to bash people who have a fascination with pop culture. Yeah. Like heavily. And it makes me think that like Shaun of the Dead is ahead of its time. Because Shaun of the Dead is a satire of Dawn of the Dead, the George Romero movies, mm-hmm. those types of things. What would Edgar Wright have done 10 years later, 15 years later with Walking Dead out? Oh, that's a really good question. It's a weird position to put him in. At that point, because even when you look at Hot Fuzz, you have all these movies where you have, oh, you've never seen Bad Boys 2. There's another Bad Boys out now. Even today, that pop culture just doesn't die. The world today will not let that pop culture die. That's why we get all these reboots and sequels and things that are coming back that we never thought would ever come back. Even if you want to go into his review, Arrest Development popped up for more seasons eventually. Yeah, that's true. Edgar Wright is very much ahead of the curve. When it comes to the way that people think on a sociological level in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. Holy shit. I didn't really get that deep into it, but that checks out. This is the stuff I've been digesting with my idiot brain now since I've watched this movie of seeing the culmination of everything that's here. Yeah. With Baby Driver, because, yeah, he thought this thing up in the mid-90s and then worked his way through it and even did music videos as kind of tests for Baby Driver. This thing is his opus. 
And to get away from even the pop culture, even just to get into the more stylistic choices of it, we already talked about the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy, where you have the first movie with Shaun of the Dead with the red, with the strawberry Cornetto, which is the ice cream. That kind of signifies blood. Then you get the blue Cornetto, which signifies the police and authority for hot fuzz. And then you get the green Cornetto, which signifies sci-fi and aliens for the world's end. And in here, you get a palette of things where you get the kind of black and white that represents baby. You get the red that represents like the blood that Bats is trying to draw out. You get the blue that represents the kind of authority figure that Buddy probably was in his past life. Mm -hmm. And you get the pink that is darling in this movie. Because she's the girl, and we couldn't think of anything better. But not important. <laughs> he plays with color in such an interesting way that I feel like people who we've talked about reviewing these movies, the trolls on Amazon.com, we'll get there. Sure. Don't look at it as anything deeper than these satirical comedies that are coming out. Right. The thing about that is, is that Edgar Wright, he's not only a proper filmmaker, I feel like Edgar Wright is kind of on the heels of Adam McKay. Because Adam McKay did a lot of Will Ferrell movies. Yeah. Before he got real serious, and now everything Adam McKay puts out is nominated for Best Director, Best Picture, like The Big Short, like right. whatever that fucking movie was about uh, Dick Cheney, whatever that was. Vice. That's the one. I feel like Edgar Wright is an extremely serious filmmaker that just knows his niche. So he might even be like a mixture of Adam McKay and Kevin Smith for the most part. Oh, okay. Where you know what you're doing, but you also know the audience that you're going towards. Yeah, that checks out. I don't know. He fascinates me. And I can't wait to see what he comes out with next because it's just all so interesting. It really is all so interesting. Well, he's got a movie coming out next year called Last Night in Soho, which is supposed to be a psychological thriller. And I cannot wait to see what he does with that genre. He hasn't touched that yet. And it makes me very curious about that. I cannot wait to see that. I'm very curious. Very, very curious. The Kevin Spacey's on Amazon.com are probably <laughs> less curious about it. Probably. This movie got a 4.6 out of 5. It's got 75% 5 star, 2% 1 star. I'm going to get right into it. From September 28th, 2019, the lead simply does not have the weight to carry a movie. He's just a handsome kid with nothing more to offer. Jamie Foxx was little more than obnoxious, and Spacey as a tough guy just doesn't play. Spacey was good in American Beauty, masturbating in the shower, and again <laughs> as the gimp in Usual Suspects. His efforts at being a badass here are laughable. Now, I heard you giggle there, Brian. <laughs> yeah. That that's the part of American Beauty they took away. Okay, I wasn't sure if you <laughs> added that or if that was actually part of the review. That is 100% part of the review. That is in the first five minutes of American Beauty. Because American Beauty is not a bad movie. I actually like it quite a bit. It's not bad, yeah. No, but that's the part they took away, was Kevin Spacey jerked off on young people and in a shower and on film in a movie and a Best Picture winner, probably. Yeah. It did win Best Picture, but mm-hmm. that's not the part you pick away from Kevin Spacey. That is definitely not, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, that's their thought of his acting prowess, is just jerking off in a shower. That's wild to me. <laughs> also, they're wrong about... Ansel Elgort, too. He absolutely carries this movie. Ansel Elgort does some wild things in this movie. I don't know him as an actor, and I'm curious about him as an actor, because this role is very difficult to play, because this is one of those you don't need to show a lot of emotion for, 
but you really need to keep it all under the surface. And that yeah, is you, harder. You have to be aware of the emotion, but you can't show it. And yeah, that's that's like such a difficult task. Exactly. An and then as you progress through this movie, which only takes place, I think, through maybe a few days. Right. You have to have that turn while still keeping your same morals kind of really at the heart of it, where he yeah. gives back the baby, gives back the purse and says, I'm sorry, man, for stealing your car. It's well, really, that's... really hard to play it. That's why his outfit, we were talking about colors, goes from black and white to shades of gray. Right. Exactly. It's just such a good touch. It's an unbelievable touch. From November 24th, 2017, really inane. I really don't understand how some kid who doesn't speak and dances around to music makes for deep cinema. Good Lord, watch something else. This is a person who's never seen a Charlie Chaplin or Buster Keaton film. (laughs) (laughs) That hit me on a personal level of, you don't need to speak to have a really endearing character. Yeah, that's If you that's pull it off right. Crazy. And Ansel Elgort does speak quite yeah. a bit in this yeah. movie, in fact. It sometimes he doesn't care to speak. and Some people should probably not care to speak more often than not. So I get it. As someone who probably shouldn't be speaking as much as they do, I get it. Yeah, there's a, there's a time to, you know, shut up. I agree. You'll be, you'll be more endearing by not talking sometimes. That's right. We can learn something from that review, really. I could learn something from that review. (laughs) That reviewer could learn something from their review. Also that. Also, the last one I have is from May 5th, 2018. Hold on to your butts for this one. John Hamm is just as creepy as Kevin Spacey. Um, no. (laughs) But please, go on. Nope, there's no more to go on. on. That was That's it. That's the was whole thing. Full stop. John Hamm was looked at as one of the nicest guys in Hollywood. Is apparently just as creepy as Kevin Spacey, according to this one person. <laughs> well, all right. That's an opinion, I guess. Uh, it's something. There you have it. That's, That's your one-star reviews for Baby Driver, because this movie kicks ass and there just aren't a lot. Yeah. That's something. It is something. Let's give this thing a super stuff score. Nope. Let's give this thing a not-so-super stuff score. I did it. Are you kidding right now? And now for another edition of the K-Podcast's Theater. I wasn't ready for that. I didn't mean to hit it that early, but here we are. (laughs) We're doing this one remote because we're doing it early and there's a snowstorm out. So Bry Guy and his shitty ass Camaro couldn't get here. All right. <laughs> the comedy stylings of Keaton Patty, once again, comedy writer, author of the book I Forced a Bot to Write This Book, AI Meets BS. Keaton Patty forced a bot to watch over a thousand hours of used car commercials and then asked it to write a used car commercial of its own. Here's the first page. Dave, you're going to be doing the part of Mr. Car, and I'm going to be doing the narration <laughs> and customer. All right. Uh, I mean, I'm extremely excited to be Mr. Car. Used car commercial, action. Exterior, lot where cars await purpose. (laughs) We see the master of automobiles, Mr. Car. His shirt is a tire. His shoes are cup holders. His pants are dead. I sell the best abused cars. That's why my name was named Mr. Car. Mr. Car shows his driver's license. His name is Frank Carr. His age is Ford Taurus. He lives in the state of Ford Taurus. Mr. Carr melts his license with his hot hand. I don't need to drive, but you do, or you will shrink to death. That's simple math, 
So come buy a truck from the past. We see the trucks that are up for adoption. Trucks are fat cars. We see the price. (laughs) One truck equals five tigers. Money is the devil's dinner. Pay with upgraded cats. The jungle is my wallet and my bank is upset. What is he talking about in all this? (laughs) A customer walks up to Mr. Car and puts a key in his eye. I prefer this vehicle. I am not the one to drive. Mr. Carr folds up the customer and inserts it into a stationed wagon. (laughs) The customer unfolds and is now more attractive, and now everyone in its family is a famous website. Mr. Carr has fixed my error. I must buy. Creep the change. (laughs) Customer hands Mr. Carr a purse of Jaguars. Mr. Carr counts the Jaguars. There's one, the perfect amount of Jaguars. Customer (laughs) drives straight down into the Earth's stomach. That will be you. Happy and gone away. Remember, buy a car and get a free couch of gasoline. The Jaguar is confused. It has never been money before. Ah, that's very good. He's very good. He is very good. (laughs) Let's give this a Ganasso Super Stuff score. No more surprises. No more surprises. Let's give it a a score. Start off with story motivation. Uh, It's a story that we've seen before. It's your classic kid who's there kind of roped into the wrong time and forced to deal with his morality versus life of crime. Yeah. A tale as old as time. He meets a girl, wants to run away with her, but first he's got to get out of his crime business. Exactly. Except here they make it exciting. So I'm going to go 0.5. Okay. Where it's pretty damn good. Yeah. But hardly original. Protagonist. Baby. Baby. I like him. I think he's actually a hell of a lot deeper than he gets credit for. He's extremely deep. I like how he does have to make decisions eventually, and it's not just about you need to drive now. Right. And I also like how he takes care of Joe quite a bit. I'm going to go one. I think one is is appropriate. He does what he can to protect Joe and Deborah, and yeah, eventually he he gets out one way or another. One way or another. Eventually, after he does his time. Villains. Who? I guess antagonists. It would be Doc. Doc, Bats, and then eventually Buddy. I guess so, and that kind of makes it a little confusing. Yeah. Because Doc does have the full turn. Doc Buddy has a kind of turn. has a half turn, if you will, because Buddy's cool up front. But then obviously yeah. once Darling's then, dead, he's got no reason to not be cool anymore. And then Bats is just kind of unpredictable the whole way through. Right. Doc is almost like a father figure and that he has like, he he's like, baby's my, my good luck charm. I like keeping him around and I vouch right, for him right. against all these other people. And so I guess like the turn isn't huge, but it's still out of nowhere. It is still out of nowhere. I'm going to go 0.5, where I think it's good, not great. Okay. I think that's fair. It, I think there's just too many inconsistencies for it to be great. What are the inconsistencies? I mean, I mean, other than, than Doc's turn. Doc's turn, but then Buddy also, obviously, now he's just going to flip out, and he's going to oh. be the big bad of this whole thing. Was he the big bad, or is he just another He's bad? the big I'm... bad. He's the big bad at the end of this thing. Yeah. Where it all hinges on him. That makes him a big bad. Yeah, I mean, unless you want to consider him Henchy, but Henchies don't go that far. So no, if that's the he, case, then it actually gets he lowered. Takes out because Doc, the antagonist. So, yeah, but so the he's... antagonist is lower than if that's the case, because then you have a hench who's going farther than the big bad, and that's a problem. Yeah, but the big bad was never really the big bad because he was the father figure. All right, I'm gonna go point five just to save it at that. Point. All right, because we might go lower, and that's a problem. I don't want to go lower. I was kind of going for a point seven five, but okay. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna get there. Female characters. I'm very confused by Deborah. 
Me too. I don't see what she sees in Baby. It seems to come out of nowhere. I do like Darling quite a bit. Darling is a badass. I'm going to go 0.5. It's, oh, Darling is a badass. I'm going to go 0.75 total. All right. Because I'm giving 0.5 to Darling for being a badass, and I'm giving 0.25 because it's Lily fucking James, and I love her. I love her I so think, much. I think that's She is that's so good fair. whenever she pops up and stuff. Yeah. Does this movie pass the Bechdel test? I don't think it does. I can't think of a single scene where two females even talk to each other. Me either. Except ordering a Coke, and she doesn't even uh, order. Even then, think. no. Bats orders <laughs> it for her. A right. Coca. Zero on the Bechdel test, but 0.75 overall. All right. Setting. Hot Atlanta, baby. The ATL. It's Atlanta. Like It's it, very, very. I've never time. been, but I I was just there two I've weeks ago. So I'm going to go one. Give Atlanta its due. I think one is appropriate. This no, feels like no, Atlanta. no, 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 no. I'm going to go one five. Really? You even see some landmarks like the peach tree and you get the skyline. You get different roads that are brought up and malls and stuff. I think that it nails it. It yeah, finally it makes abs- Atlanta a, a Woody Allen-like character. <laughs> right. Because Atlanta is always is always part of the thing, but it's never it's always trying to be another city. And here they're like, no, this is Atlanta, Atlanta. That's right. Atlanta, Atlanta, as they yeah. say. Um, the diner and the apartment are the only two sets in the movie. Everything else is filmed on location. So, Which is amazing to me. It's a nightmare from my past, but it's amazing to me. <laughs> Even those I-85 chase scenes, which apparently they didn't get clearance to close i-85 so they had to do it during the day and just seems like a nightmare doesn't atlanta have like the second highest traffic in the country or third highest it's top three for sure it's up there i'm definitely going to one five then for setting yeah one five definitely style and tone i'm gonna start at one i mean easy a base of one i love the color scheme that he goes for in this thing it lands everything has its own motif for the characters they even introduce a little bit of yellow for deborah which is a good touch it is a good touch. I really like the cars that are chosen because some of them blend in and then some of them are meant to stand out. Right. Which is really, really nice. And then some of it's just really simple and effective. I'm going to go 1-5 again. I think that's the right move. It seems like it's so smartly done, but at the same time, it's not trying to be showy, but everything has a purpose and a point. Yeah. Now, the, the thing is, these next three categories, this one, director, and music, are kind of going to get mashed together because- when we start talking about how the whole movie is themed and, and timed to this music, is that part of right. the tone or the style? Or I think it's part of the style of anything, but I'm kind of looking at it more as a visual style because of what's about to happen, I think, in this, the not-so-super-stuff score. Okay. I think we're about to break things. Uh, it feels very <laughs> fragile right now, the super-stuff score. It does. It does. Uh, style, what I meant to say when I said 1-5 was clearly 2. I don't know if you heard okay. it. That's that's what I thought you said. <laughs> so I just wanted to double check on that. And yeah, I think yeah, that's a two. Yeah. It's my English accent that I'm fighting back. Lily that's, James style. It's tough. It's real tough. Director. Two. Very easy two here. This thing yeah. is a passion project. How the hell could someone say I want to choreograph an entire film to music, but not have it be a musical? That is insane to me. That and is absolutely insane. And it's funny And it doesn't because... feel forced at all. That's the part that blows my mind. No, no part of it is like, oh my God, it's so ham-fisted with the way they're timing everything. with No, it's so natural. Um, Bill Pope, who was the DP on this, actually said that it was, he calls it a postmodern musical. He's like, there's not singing and dancing in the street, but the world acts to the music. And that's interesting to me because whenever I think of like a postmodern musical, I think of Once, where okay. the music is more practical 
how it yeah. happens within the world that you're living in, where they're playing the instruments and you see them playing and singing the songs. But here, you're taking another step even. Yeah. That's impressive. That's really something. Maybe it's like a post-postmodern musical then, if you want to go with that. Extreme post. That's right. Speaking of the music. It's an easy two. I, easy, I mean, like, I can't not be a two. It has to be at least a two. Is Yeah, you're right. What are you going for, Brian? Because I heard those words, at least. Oh, I'm, I'm not actually gunning for a, a specific score. I'm just saying that, that two is the right starting point for a conversation. And speaking of gunning, he actually consulted with James Gunn before Guardians Volume 2 came out to make sure that the two didn't share any tracks. Which is wild to me that they even had to do that. There's so much it's music crazy. in the world, but you have two guys who have such a good ear for this stuff. They had to talk. <laughs> yeah. The amount of thought that went into the music in this, too, is is unreal. It's nuts. It's, I'm going to go two. And all the gunshots are timed to the beat, and oh, two. That's unbelievable to me. That still blows my mind. One-liners. There's not a lot. There's not. It's a B-A-B-Y. That's fine. He spells his That's, name a lot. Yeah. B-A-B-Y, baby. Uh, you're going to need a Ouija board to ID, ID us. Yep. That Don't was good. Don't feed me any more lines from Monsters, Inc. Like, it's, <laughs> they're, they're kind of just there. There's nothing... Huge they're, in this movie. They're quippy. There's a lot of quips in the movie, but I don't know that there's many one-liners. I don't think there's any. I just drew a whole goddamn map with Chuck. Yeah, I think we're looking at a zero. Nothing really terribly Fucking impressive, right? memorable. Yeah. Impact on the industry. I think we're living in a TBD. We are. But. But. This movie did cost $34 million to make, which when you look at it, I'm honestly impressed that it's that low, yeah. Yeah, and it did do $226 million. Mostly by word of mouth. Yes, which is impressive. There's talks of the sequel. sequel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's go with a .75. Okay, that's like an optimistic TBD. I would say it's an optimistic safe point, if anything. I would love to go to a one. I just don't know where we're going to be. I would too, but unfortunately, I don't know that it's earned the one. Right, right. That's going to give Baby Driver a total not-so-super-stuff score of 11. Holy crap. Okay. That's really, really high for main channel. Yeah. That's Patreon-level scores. Yeah. That is Patreon-level scores. That is Men in Black. Damn. That's, this is that's a good movie, man. This is a really good Black movie. Black Panther level. That is, it is a really good movie. And I'm, I'm glad that you finally seen it and- I'm sure it won't be very long before you rewatch it. You left your Blu-ray here, and I do fully plan on rewatching it again. <laughs> yeah, I've watched it twice in the last two days and did not regret a second of it. So. No, that says something, especially for you, because I know you have to rewatch these things for the synopsis. Good for you. Yeah. So that has been our Edgar Wright January. We did this it. This has been a trip. It's time for us to to. Get off the wagon? Is that what it is? On the wagon? Which one's when you start drinking again? I think that's off the wagon. We're getting off the wagon. We're going back into the, the superhero comic book movies. Getting back to our roots. We are, and we're going to get back with a really, really big bang. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I figure if we're going to take a whole month off, come back strong. Come back as strong as you possibly can, probably. Brian, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we're going back into the MCU. If you're keeping score at home, then you know. Then you you should know. um, You know a biggie's coming right now. There's been a lot of talk about this character in the news lately. A lot of hype. 
building for the third installment of this person's trilogy. The past like month, month and a half, the news has just been trickling out and it's been insane. Nonstop. This person, this person, this. We're talking about Spider-Man Homecoming. We sure are. Tom Holland is going to be here with us on the couch. <laughs> Every time you start saying one of those, I get excited. Like, you got Tom Holland? And then I go, Yeah, I no. booked him. He's in the middle of filming right now. A movie that I'm not sure he's actually in with the amount of people in it. Well, they haven't announced him as cast yet, for what that's worth. (laughs) Everyone else is cast except Tom Holland. (laughs) Spider-Man Homecoming. We've both seen this one. I know that. You want to give a quick thought on this one? I mean, it's fantastic. It's probably one of my favorite of the Spider-Men movies i completely agree with you there it's extremely good i can't wait to actually talk about it and dissect it and probably pick out some things that are right and wrong with it so it'll be good yeah we get to discuss our third peter parker so we do we do it'll be great fourth technically fifth if you count chris pine spider-verse yeah that's right so until then be sure to rate review subscribe on whatever podcast platform you you catch us on follow us on all of our social media we're on facebook instagram twitter and Twitch, at Kate Podcasters. There's links for all of those on our website, katepodcasters.com. Go check out our Patreon. We're doing all sorts of awesome stuff over there. Just putting out content on content on content. It is. You can hear especially our double feature that we did on Patreon on the poll list, which is our comic book show, how we did the lead up to WandaVision, how we did House of M from Bendis. It was great. And then we did Vision from Tom King, and it was great. And we started doing WandaVision, going episode by episode, even though the first one came out and it was two, and that's yep confusing. That's going to throw a monkey in the wrench. That's right. Monkey's all wrenched up now. And it's great. All wrenched up and no place to go. Requisite meatloaf. I always got meatloaf on the mind. Yeah. Who doesn't? But yeah, WandaVision. WandaVision. It's going to be great. You got anything else? I don't have anything else. All right. So I guess we're going to see you next week for Spider-Man. Homecoming. Same pod time. Same pod. Kevin Spacey's still a creep. So, Dave, that's Baby Driver. What do you think happens after the credits? What I think happens post-credits is you get that shot of Deborah in the passenger seat. Baby's driving. They're trying to get away, and he's trying to find the right music to listen to. Deborah goes, no, I got something. I got something for you. And he starts getting ready to slam on the gas like he's about to take off. Like, oh, fuck. Here we go. Here we go. It's going to be great. Can't wait. And when she turns on, all you hear is, ding, 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 yesterday. Oh, my trouble seems so far away. Baby just looks over and goes, get the fuck out of the car. Uh, it'd be better if he's like, who is this? That's <laughs> got such like a, an encyclopedic knowledge of music. The Beatles? What? <laughs> Brian, what do you think I was supposed to credit? I think we stick with Lily James, Deborah. She goes back into Atlanta, and uh, she's waiting out the five years while Baby's in prison. Baby who's now deaf, of course. Of it's course. Important. It's important. Remember that.
Of course. It's going to come back. Remember he's deaf. Got it. She meets up with a young man named Thomas Webb, played by Callum Turner from the movie The Only Living Boy in New York, who has recently moved to Atlanta. And uh, they start to have a thing because, you know, baby's in prison. And uh, a title card comes on the screen and says, Miles, baby will return in The Sound of Silence, the conclusion (laughs) of the Simon and Garfunkel cinematic universe. (laughs) 